Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast, where you have VIP access to discover the wins and wisdom that have helped successful business brains build businesses that boom. With your host, Faye Hollands from busybusinesswomen.biz. Hi, I'm Faye Hollands and welcome to episode 41 of the Busy Businesswoman podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, sales used to be a bit of a swear word in my vocabulary, which is funny because about 15 years ago, I found myself working in a pretty tough sales environment for the first time in my career working as a recruitment consultant and sometimes making up to 50 cold calls a day, which shock horror was not something I was looking forward to, let me tell you. Now, it wasn't something I particularly enjoyed, I've got to confess, but what I am eternally grateful for is the critical sales training and knowledge that gave me, which has really proven, I think, critical to my success as a business owner over the last 12 years. Without that, my business would be in an entirely different place right now, without a doubt. And not because I make cold calls now, because I don't, but because I fully embrace the critical significance of sales in my business. And I'm not scared of sales anymore like I used to be. And that's why I wanted to invite today's guest onto the show because one, she's an absolute sales gun and two, she fully understands the fear that so many business owners have when it comes to sales. So today we have the very fabulous Jenny White from truepotentialsales.com with us today. I really love this lady. We've got a lot in common. So let me tell you a quick little bit about her. Jenny's achieved some really impressive results throughout her sales career, working in both the UK and Australia, building up 12 years experience across the IT recruitment and advertising industries. She's been a consistently top sales performer and has a unique ability to apply her knowledge and business development skills to other people's businesses, which explains why she's now an in-demand sales strategist co-running True Potential Sales with her business partner, Chris Hull. Jenny is a fabulous fellow POM who also fell into recruitment at a similar time to me. And as a business owner running a large team, along with being a mum to two daughters, she knows a thing or two about being productive too. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome the fabulous Jenny White to the podcast today. Welcome, Jenny. Oh, hi, Faye. Thank you so, so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Quite an introduction. No pressure on you, but we're totally to lap up your sales guruness today. Yay, I'm all up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's always good to have a fellow POM and a fellow mum and a fellow business owner on the show, of course. I've got a bucket load of questions that I want to ask you. There's never enough time on these episodes. So should we jump in and get going? Sounds amazing. Go for it. Okay. All right. So let's talk about your business journey, first of all. Now, you and I have got some similarities, which we talked about uh, recently. Jenny and I caught up for end of financial year drinks last week. And after many months of referring clients to Jenny, we actually jumped on Zoom last week and actually got to talk and see each other for the first time, which was fantastic. And we realized that we've got a lot of similarities in our background. Uh, You also escaped the corporate world, just like I did and many of our listeners have done and became your own boss, which is fantastic. Can you tell me a bit about how you came to be self-employed? Yeah, totally. Um, And I still can't really believe it, to be honest. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) So um, I am a mum of two little girls and my first is about four. So about four years ago, I was on mat leave and I was walking on the beach um, with my dog. I can't remember if I was heavily pregnant or with a newborn, but around that stage. And I met um, an amazing, amazing friend of mine now. 
Um, and she basically um, was telling away to me and she said, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I've got this corporate job, sales job, loads of travel, don't want to go back to it, not love it, but just not for me now. Um, and she asked me about my skills and I said that I was into sales and she said, did you know that that skill is actually massively in demand for small business owners like me? And I had thought about it, but it, I was actually, you know, hadn't really heard it from anybody else. And she basically said, um, you should definitely, you could definitely work for yourself and offer your skills into other small businesses or medium businesses or um, help other people. So um, she actually ended up becoming my first client. And then from that, I got, you know, really quickly because obviously people hate doing sales and what I was offering was quite appealing, um, got um, a few more clients. And then I was able to be in a position to to give up work or not go back to work. So that that's how it all started. And it's kind of just grown from there, which is amazing. How awesome is that? You know, you're just merrily going along your way on the beach, chatting to a friend. It just shows how critical your network can be and how important it is to be surrounded by, you know, inspiring people that lift you and challenge you and get you to think differently. Because who knows whether you would have come to that place. You probably would have eventually. Uh, you know, like it's a, it was a pivotal conversation in your career by the sounds of things. It, it was. And I think it really just shows how it's good to be open and good to chat to yeah. people, you know, and ask questions of people because you just never really know what opportunities around the corner and, you know, just keep keep everything open. And, you know, yeah, you just never know, really. <laughs> she obviously had her own agenda well established at that point. She's like, you're a sales guru. I need sales done for me. Hello, why don't you create this job for yourself? Smart lady, Kate. (laughs) I know, I know. I wonder if she'll listen. (laughs) We will make her listen. But that was kind of four years ago-ish now, right? Yes, yes. All right. I know that recently you've gone into partnership, which we'll talk about a little bit next. But before that, you were running your own show for quite some time, right? So what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced as a business owner on your own that you've now mastered and kind of evolved from as a result? Well, I don't know if you ever master them, but Mm. (laughs) I think that um, when you first start out, there are just so many things you just don't know because I was a salesperson. I wasn't a lawyer or a marketing guru or a, um, what other things are there, a finance person. So there are all, the, as a small business owner, you have to basically become a master of all those little elements. Um, and I found that was really, really tough to kind of um, work out and, and have a plan on everything. And I think probably the key was just to get advice early. So again, just be open and ask, you know, people that are doing similar things to you, um, what, you know, what they did and, and how it all worked and not try and sort of battle everything all by yourself um, because there are lots of networking groups out there and, you know, Facebook groups have been really helpful um, to, to help you find all those little answers. Um, and, yeah, learning to, to focus on the things that you don't love doing is quite hard. Um, for some people that might be sales, for some people it might be the books or whatever. So it's just about, you know, really committing that time to the calendar and locking yourself into it and just making sure you get it done. Yeah, I really love that you mentioned that because I think when we start our businesses, you know, often, and we've talked about this before, actually, another podcast where you start doing the thing that you really love, but then you realize you've got all these other hats that you've got to wear. And unless you're in, unless you're in a position where you've got, you know, endless supply of money to go and outsource, you pretty much got to pick up all of those other tasks yourself. And for some people that might be for many years, because it was for me and for others, you know, they can get experts in to deal with those more quickly. But either way, 
you have got to lend your hand to things that you're not a guru in and are not your you know, zone of genius. So mm. for you, it was, you know, your zone of genius is sales, but then suddenly you've got all these other things to do and you've got to do them, right? It's just suck it up and get on with it. So I love yeah. what you said there about you just get it in the diary and you just get it done. And I think yeah. you have this dream and vision that soon you'll be able to outsource it and get someone else to do it for you. So you can just get back into the place of doing, spending more of your time on the things that you really like. And I think that should be a, a goal for business owners to make sure that they've created a business, that they're spending most of their time doing the thing that they got into it in the first place for and not all of the other stuff that kind of drags them down. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. Totally agree, Yeah. Business goals, right? As in like life goals, you've got to get to that place where you're just doing the stuff that you really like. Okay. So I mentioned before that you were a solopreneur and more recently you've gone into partnership with your true potential business partner, Chris Hull, which is awesome. How did that come about and why did you decide to partner up? Uh, so it all just happened, um, but there is a bit of a backstory. So I was on maternity leave um, the second time round, and obviously there isn't such a thing really when you're running your own business. So no, I, I, wish. <laughs> I was trying to find um, people to help me and take on some of my calls and look after some of my clients. Um, and I came across Chris because um, I think his wife, I posted in one of the Illawarra Wollongong groups or something mm. um, and he did some work for me and I just noticed straight away that he was cut above the rest in terms of you know how proactive he was he had good sales skills he was just like massively helpful great at reporting you know basically all the things that I, I was doing he was doing and more which was awesome and we just had a chat about it because we were doing the same things separately and we just realized that two heads were better than one yeah. So we joined forces and brought our own clients into it under that one umbrella um, and just went for it. We were really spontaneous, to be honest. Um, so I don't know if I'd recommend everyone just pick someone and go for it like we did. <laughs> it was just luck that we came across each other. Well, sometimes gut instinct is really good, right? And it's obviously, you know, you had good instincts about him and his work ethic and yeah. what he was going to be like as a business partner. Is that something that you kind of wish you'd done sooner now that you're working with a partner, you've got somebody to kind of bounce off of and work together? I don't know. I think it was really valuable to have those few years by myself because it gave me confidence yeah. um, to make decisions and, you know, that I was doing the right thing and it got me in my own stride. Um, so now, you know, when Chris and I push back on each other, I've got my own experiences to reflect on and, and bring to the table so I think it was really timely good. when we decided to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. It's good to hear kind of how partnerships evolve because a lot of our listeners are solopreneurs but might be thinking about, you know, collaborating and going down the serious path of actually bringing someone into their business. How did you feel letting go of the reins of it being all about you and, and you know, the decisions that you wanted to make are just, you don't have to consult anyone else. Was that uncomfortable, scary, a bit of friction or did you kind of go with the flow and it was easy? Do you know what? It's been really easy because Chris and I are both quite laid back um, and both very much on the same page. So we've never had any fights <laughs> about Good. what the right course of action is. We always have just like really sensible discussions, which is nice. And we don't always agree, but that's good because it means that we get a better outcome at the end. Yeah. Um, I think, if, you know, business partnerships aren't going to be for everybody. Um, if you are lucky enough to find someone in your life that, you know, does offer you that and you can go for it, do. Mm. But what, it, what you could do as an alternative is just have someone 
there is a mentor, a coach, someone to give you that accountability. Um, Because those are the things that are so valuable from a partnership that you've just got someone there to to bounce ideas off and and sense check what you're doing. Completely. And I reckon, you know, as a mature, smart businesswoman, you could also, if you didn't want to go down the partnership route, potentially have some kind of collaboration where you're able to work together and leverage each other's businesses, but not have to have the official partnership. I mean, that's very different. You're not working under the same brand. You know, you're not necessarily going to share clients, but being able to refer to each other is something that kind of can step up from that solopreneur space and make your business, leverage your business, but not necessarily make you into a partnership, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Anything to make it a bit less lonely, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So I like to tap into hindsight. You've been in business, you know, best part of four years now. If you were to start your business from scratch again, is there anything that you would do differently? And, you know, we, we know that everything that we've done has been a, a learning and there are upsides to having gone through the shitty experiences. But I really want to know what you would not do again if you were to start again tomorrow. Um, I think probably first and foremost, price ourselves better. So from the get-go, um, and I've read a couple of your posts on this as well, um, just undercharging. We were undercharging so much at the beginning. Um, okay. So hours and hours of our time were going into these things that we were charging like pittance for. <laughs> yeah. um, and so just really seeing that what you have to offer and what your clients get from what you give them is actually really worth something um, to them, especially in sales, you know, when, when they're going to get revenue back from it directly. Um, you know, I think that's probably the first, first biggest thing that we would have done differently to start with. Yeah, I really love that you brought that up because it's such a big one. So many people undercharge and it takes them often many years to get to the position where they realise their value and are confident to articulate that and aren't kind of retreating, feeling embarrassed when the price conversation comes up. And I think you hit the nail on the head there when you think about sales and I think for me about leads and clients into a business, same thing, or, you know, for me, saving people time, helping them work more productively time and sales are so valuable in a business. So if we can't charge what we're worth, then people are not going to value how important those areas are in their business to start with. Yeah. I love that you've come to that realization and are now charging the money that you should be charging. So yeah, high five to you. Thanks. Um, and that was one thing as well that the partnership really helped because that was probably my weakness rather than Chris's. So Chris had already recognised that and probably brought that to the table really quickly. So that was really helpful. How good is that? You get a kick up the backside from your new business partner and say, you should be making more money, come on. Yeah, exactly. And that's really good, really good to have that person that will give you the nudge that you might have been kind of a bit fearful to do before on your own. Well done, Chris. We love you already. (laughs) Yes, he's fab, he's fab. Um, I'm trying to think what other things um, are. I think think probably... um, not just accepting any business. So just making sure that the clients that you, you're obviously, you know, new business, you're trying to sell to everyone and everyone, but you really do need to have your ideal client home down um, and not try and be that everyone, everything to everyone. Um, And also knowing what the scope of work is that you've promised and not going above and beyond that without charging appropriately. So going back to that 
Yeah. And on the, it's that niche word again, listeners, here we go. I'm not going to get around to Fancy Faye. Um, we've talked about this so much, but when we put it in the context of your business, so of course it's important for you to know who you want your clients to be. And I know we had a conversation about this last week and you're very clear on who that is and articulate it beautifully. Uh, and, but when you think about the flip side of clients coming to you, wanting you to make outbound sales calls, but not being able to articulate who they want to work with, that's gonna I mean that wouldn't be an ideal client for you to start with but that's gonna cost your client bucket loads of money right because you're gonna start a campaign and potentially be calling people that are left to center that are not going to be the ideal clients for them just because they're not clear on who their target market is and potentially trying to be something to everyone because yeah. we get into this kind of fearful state that if we narrow down, we're going to have less clients, less money, where in fact yeah. it works the completely opposite. Have you had that from clients where they've come to you wanting you to work on a campaign and they're not as clear as you need them to be to do a good job? Yeah, definitely. And we've learned through that um, to make sure that that's like one of the key foundations that anyone has is a niche. And if, you know, even if you don't have one, make one up. Like, do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all about how you communicate what you're doing. Um, so, if you are a digital marketing agency, for example, um, and you have had a broad range of clients, it doesn't mean that you can't pick one that's worked really well for you and use it as a case study and as an example to other clients within that yeah. business space. Um, and then you specialize in that type of business. Do you see what I mean? So you can wing it a little bit with the niche and how you how you do your sales calls or how you write your marketing. It's not, you're not making anything up. You're just, you know, picking and choosing which clients you're choosing to talk about to which clients. So I think also the other thing with niche is that you're not bound by having to only work for that niche forevermore in your business. So firstly, if you're clear on who you're going to work with, it's going to help you get more leads, clients and income. But you may change your mind about your niche later on down the track in your business, which I had definitely, I have definitely done over the last 12 years. It's evolved. Um, and also, just because you identify your ideal client and you, you put it out there in the weather sphere that that's your niche, doesn't mean that if somebody else comes along that wants to work with you, you can't say, you know, like you have to say no to. If there's still going to be someone that you'd love to work with and you can add you know, immense value to their business or whatever it is that they're doing, then you can still say yes. It's just in terms of marketing, your marketing becomes much better when you're clear on your niche and everyone else out there knows what you do, right? Yeah. And you can have concurrent niches when you're doing sales calls. You don't have to have just one at one time, I find. Yeah, well, you so you could have a client that you're running a couple of campaigns for and one will be targeted at one niche, one will be at another niche, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes those campaigns significantly more um, impactful because you have those niches. Yeah, exactly. I'm on the niche rant again. I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about productivity. You've got two very young daughters. Yeah. Uh, talked about one of them being off sick and from daycare yesterday. Like we, that yeah. juggle is painful. You've got a business to juggle. You're working with a business partner who you've got accountability to as well. I'd love to know, how do you manage your time and what tips and tactics do you use to really help you be as productive as possible? So I'm lucky enough to have daycare three days a week. And I think that's one top tip is if you can afford it and you're starting out, definitely, you know, get some time for yourself to dedicate um, to your business. But obviously anyone that's, you know, running a, a business more full time will have that already. Mm -hmm. And um, on the days when I don't have daycare, so that's three days. And um, I'm just um, really good at getting up early. 
So I get up um, way before my kids do, maybe like an hour and a half before the kids do. Um, and that's obviously not possible for everyone who doesn't have sleeping babies. I'm really lucky. Um, <laughs> that time will come for you, I'm sure, too. Yeah, I hope one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the mums out there are probably like wanting to sleep with each other. We hate you. <laughs> um, so I get up early before then, maybe like 5.36 and just have an hour or an hour and a half um, of completely sorting out my day, doing anything critical, all those, you know, worries that you have overnight that you should be doing or you've forgotten or whatever, just get those done um, and any like admin and stuff that you can do outside of business hours basically just get that done and then I'm not stressing when the kids wake up or you know I'm not being woken up by them thinking oh no I've got this stuff to do and now I'm in kid world and I can't do it yeah so yeah just just get on with it then and then plan the day around when I can have those snippets of time to do some work what am I going to do in those times I love that because this morning I got up a, a bit. Well, I sat at my desk earlier. I was awake, and I thought I'm going to get up before my daughter Chloe has one of those grow clocks. She's not allowed yeah. to get up before six, but she's awake from five. Um, so I came into the office. I just had so much to do today, and it was really nice to smash out an hour of work and be really focused. And I get so much more done. It's my it's my ideal time of day to work really really early. It's yeah. just unlike you, I have children that wake up very early, so it. Kind of completely ruins my plans normally yeah. it's so nice to get that hour of work done and like you say you know there's nothing worse than that frazzled feeling where you're kind of trying to get the kids breakfast ready you're thinking oh I should have sent that email out I wish I'd done x y and z and that yeah. kind of trying to multitask or just the split thinking in your brain around what you need to do versus in that present moment what you've got to be doing for children or getting yourself to work I hate that feeling yeah. so I love what you're doing is getting up early and just getting you know you kind of eating the frog first right you're getting the important stuff done quickly so yeah. you can start your day calmly now I reckon knowing that we you know both from recruitment backgrounds which are tough sales roles I think Mm. I reckon that when you've got that hour of time when your daughter's asleep, that you are probably super productive in that time because I reckon that's something that's instilled in us in a recruitment environment that you don't waste time. You need to be like getting on the phone or doing something that is going to create leads and income in your business. Do you find that that's still with you? Are you still being super productive in those times? Yeah, definitely. So I, I mean, I'm sure like any human, I can be slack sometimes and procrastinate and all those. All those <laughs> no, but, I never do that. <laughs> but I think, um, I think I quite often see other business owners just defaulting back to um, what their previous role was. So I'm lucky in that I default to sales activity because that's just what I've known my entire career. Um, yeah. But I'm sure, you know, some people feel more natural to default to checking their finances out or, you know, writing some content or whatever it might be that, that their thing yeah. was before. Um, but I think um, I try and, if I've got an hour or whatever, I try and think, what can I do in this hour um, that's going to help me get new clients? What can I do in this hour that's going to make my current clients happier? What nice things can I do for them? Um, what report could I send them that will make them happy that they're getting what they, you know, what they want from us as a as a um, third party? Whatever it might be that that is going to further your reputation in the market, I think are good things to default to during those snippets of time. Definitely. And the fact that your Guru Spaces sales makes your default the perfect option, whereas so many other business owners 
They, they're not thinking about sales and marketing. So their default is to go and do something that is not necessarily going to get them more clients or satisfy the clients that they have even more so. And I think that's a really good training for anyone in business to make sure that when they've got those key you know, chunks of time, they're very mindful of how they're spending them. It's not being wasted, which clearly you're not at all. So talking about guru space, let's talk about sales. Now, I firmly believe that every business owner should consider themselves a salesperson because if you're not interested in sales, I don't believe that you should be in business or at least at the very start, you need to consider yourself the salesperson. But I found over the years that there's so much stigma around sales from women in small business. Why do you think that is? And and do you come across that? Absolutely. And I guess our our business is slightly built on the fact that there is that sales stigma and we're trying to um, show people that you can be a salesperson and not have that, you know, terrible reputation. Um, But I think, I think people are just genuinely scared of putting themselves out there in person. So it's quite easy to kind of do salesy type activities um, through marketing strategies, um, which is basically the same thing without picking up the phone. (laughs) But, but what the moment it's you and it's you on the phone and, you know, suddenly it becomes more like the same fear as like public speaking or presenting or something like that. And people actually get really nervous. And I used to as well, like straight out of uni, if you told me that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would have absolutely laughed at you. Um, Cause it, you know, in the, until you're used to it, it is a bit daunting. Um, but yeah, I think with a really well planned and structured sales strategy and process, um, you can really rid yourself of those of those fears and actually, you know, be really good at that. You'd be surprised at yourself, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean, and I agree with you because when I got into recruitment, like to be frank, that was my visa to stay in Australia. I'd never been in sales before in my life and suddenly found myself in this position where I've got to pick up the phone and just phone random strangers. Well, they weren't so random, but they were strangers all day long, every day. Like I remember having these business development days. I'm sure you had them. Yeah. Fridays, we'd come in on, in dress down because that made it fun, right? <laughs> For the whole day, you just phone people. It was like, it really was my idea of hell. But yeah. hell at the time when I was really, you know, building that sales muscle up and learning about having that strategy that you just talked about. So yeah. on that note then, what do you think are the best ways to really get over that fear of sales and, and start to embrace it in your business? So I think there are lots of things that you can do to kind of warm yourself up whilst we're talking about sales muscles. Mm. Um, well <laughs> so, done. Nice. <laughs> um, so you can really, you know, do lots of activity um, to, to get yourself in a, in a good place with it and start, you know, talking like a salesperson. Um, I've actually written a worksheet. I'm happy to share it with anyone who wants Great. it. Great. Thank you. We'll pop that in the show notes, listeners. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of pin, pin on your desk. So if you do have that downtime, you can have a quick glance at it and be like, right, I could be doing this now. Um, and things like, you know, you could be connecting with some people on LinkedIn and sending them a note with it saying what you do and what problems you solve. Um, lots of lots of stuff there that you can you can do um, finding out where you're, where you're potential clients hang out and go to networking events, you know, booking coffee meetings with existing clients, asking for referrals, you know, all these things are really good sales activities, but they're not quite cold calling. Um, and then, and then with cold calling, um, it's just about preparation. So um, just making sure that you, you know, um, are really prepared for what you're saying. And, and if, if you are, and you're answering 
a problem that some you've identified in this niche area that we've already discussed, um, they're going to love it. People will love listening to you. And the rejection is definitely not there when you are preparing your calls correctly and, and you know, answering and, and offering a solution to those problems. I think you've just hit a really important point there in that when you're clear on what you want to deliver and you're passionate about it and and you yourself buy into what you've got to offer and talk about, which is how I feel about my business. I don't feel like I ever have sales conversations. I'm just having a conversation with someone about something that I can do to help them and a problem that they've got, which I can solve. And that's just a normal conversation. But when I think back to when sales was hard for me and, and, you know, some of the times I really loathed sales calls, sales conversations in person, not just on the phone, was when I was trying to sell something that I didn't think was right. And for me, that happened to be, and um, you know, this is going back to really when the print days were uh, very important in recruitment, was selling paid advertising in newspapers and you know, trying to run a recruitment campaign and saying that you needed to spend a huge amount of money on a, an ad in a newspaper, which I didn't think that person needed to do. And from a corporate point of view, you're under pressure to do that. So suddenly I'm in this position where I'm having to have sales conversations with people trying to sell something that I didn't really buy into. And I think that's when it gets really, really tough. And so that's an enormous difference to, you know, for our listeners, having a sales conversation about the thing they love in their business that they are really wildly passionate about and believe adds value to their audience that's a nice conversation to be having rather than trying to flog something, you know, like a door-to-door salesperson that you don't believe in. It makes an enormous difference, the, the mindset you have about what it is you're actually selling. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many ways that you can, you know, really prepare to have that conversation in the best way possible before you even pick up the phone. Um, and I think that will make all the difference. And most business owners will be passionate about what they're talking about. So it really, as you said, won't feel like a cold call. It will just feel like them talking about their, their business baby and yes. what amazing things it's doing for their other clients. I think what you said there about having good structure and preparation is so important because for most people, if they've got this kind of bit of a stigma about sales, they're nervous about making a call, they're having that preparation ease the nerves and allows them to think clearly about what it is that they need to say and what they want to convey rather than just flying by the seat of their pants and getting off a call or getting away from a meeting and thinking, well, I didn't really cover anything that was important there or I missed the stuff that, you know, was critical to actually moving the sales conversation along and start to really doubt their abilities when it comes to sales. That preparation, that structure is is really important. So definitely yeah. recommend for, to our listeners to think about what you're going to say beforehand and actually plan it out. Write some bullet points. Or you know, I was saying to a client the other day, she was going to have a meeting with a potential joint venture partner. It's still a sales conversation. You don't go into that kind of meeting unprepared. You need to map out what you want to happen in that meeting, what you've got to offer, what do you need to talk about. And that preparation is is king, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also having an objective in mind as well. And that yes. can change. You know, you should be flexible on any any sales call or joint venture meeting or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, before you go, what would be the ideal situation for you um, to get out of that call? Um, and it could be, you know, booking a coffee meeting or it could be um, finding out if they're the right person you want to deal with or it could yeah. be anything but as long as you if you've got an objective that helps you move the sales process along um and then if you achieve that you'll be super happy with yourself whereas if you just drift into it and don't really know 
what you want to get out of it and you'll never close anything and you'll never you'll never you know get to the the next step definitely be outcome driven I love that thank you okay so what are the top three things you'd recommend a business owner do if they want to be more proactive when it comes to their sales you need to allocate time for sales every day I think Um, and if you can't do it every day every week it should be drilled into your into your calendar somewhere that that is your business development time yeah and you basically need a plan and so you want to commit to a certain level of activity during that week. And that could be, I'm going to make 10 LinkedIn connections this week and send out 10 messages or Facebook or wherever your clients hang out. I'm going to make 20 business development calls and I'm going to book five meetings. Um, Of those meetings, I'm going to try and close, you know, two deals or whatever it might be. You can start your own little structured stats to help you, um, you know, structure your business development and activity to, to get the best out of it. And you'll, you'll learn how to do that with time. Like the first week, you might not have a clue and then you'll get somewhere and then you'll be like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm um, also recording your sales activity. Um, so you definitely, definitely, definitely need to track what you're doing because you will forget who you've spoken to. Um, yeah. When you're having lots of conversations, it's impossible to remember. So write it all down, put a spreadsheet together, do detailed dated notes record your emails, record your appointments, re- record meeting notes, everything that you have related to sales, definitely keep it keep it um, locked down somewhere. And a spreadsheet's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, am I going too, too far into this? No, 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 that's great. I love that because I, you know, I think what's critical there is the, the KPIs being clear. Like it's not just I'm going to do some sales and marketing today. It's like specifically what is it that you're going to do? How yeah. many calls are you going to make? How many emails are you going to send out? How many follow-ups are you going to do? How many meetings do you want to have this week? And get clear on the numbers and tying in with your next point of I, I talk about testing and measuring all the time because it's absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. And so by tracking the calls that you've made, having a place to go to that you can look at what activity have you done? And you know, if you look at that. At the, at the middle of the week and there's virtually nothing on it that gives you a kick up the backside to start with yeah. but also then you can look at all right well I'm you know I haven't quite made as many calls as I should have done or I haven't followed up on that many emails or had that many meetings what else do I need to do now yeah. and actually then starting to test and measure what is working for you as well and you can only do that if you're tracking your activity I think yeah. so many people don't do that. They just think, right, I'm going to do some, you know, I'm going to jump on Facebook today and do some marketing or I'm going to just make a couple of calls to follow up with people. And by the end of the week, they've only made one call um, or they've not been focused on who were the priorities. And so that the specific KPIs and the tracking really, what's the word? Like it really ties you down and gets you focused on what you actually need to be doing and helps from a productivity point of view, avoid the the distractions that come in our everyday life and we've got things pinging up and notifications all over the place. I'm very passionate about that. You picked on like my two most favorite <laughs> points to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it is. And, and you, if you're nervous about sales and the thought of making 20 cold calls in the first week of doing this is absolutely terrifying, this activity can start from a warm place. You know, you don't have to just pick up the phone and call a stranger. It could be why don't you call a current client and see if they've got any similar, you know, old friends or colleagues that might need your services as well? Or um, yeah. why don't you, um, what else could you do? Chase up proposals that you sent out a year ago and never heard back from. Um, yeah, anything like that that's a bit less daunting, you should always start the warmest or hottest leads first. 
all our listeners love you for just saying that. It's like, yes, it doesn't have to be cold and nasty and awful. There is yeah. a happier, warmer place to go to when it comes to sales completely. Yeah. Any other top tips? Um, I think networking. Mm-hmm. Um, so just get get yourself out there. And whether that's, you know, networking online, we've already talked about sort of Facebook and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. But just go to your local networking events, get to know people, start feeling really comfortable about talking about your business. Um, it will really help you um, to work out what's resonating with people um, and what and what you can, you know, perhaps not talk about next time because it's not going down so well. Yeah. Um, I think absolutely networking is, is super, super helpful in, in honing down your sales skills. And it just feels a it's a bit weird networking can be a bit weird <laughs> but it you know it really really can be lovely as well and you can meet some really good business mates through it too yeah well you know I, I mean we've kind of met through networking in a way haven't we we've yeah. met through you know somebody telling me that you did what you did and I've referred people to you and then we've chatted on zoom and met at networking last week um but it's just getting out there in front of people finding where your tribe are, the people that you like connecting with, making sure you're having, you know, valuable conversations and you're not just a wallflower having a glass of wine and going home. Yeah. But networking definitely has a huge place, I think, in building a business as well as just expanding your network of people that you can talk to and draw on and get help from. Yeah. Cool. So any other top tips that you think business owners should focus on to be more proactive with their sales? So I think, um, don't get put off when you hear no's and get negative responses from any of your sales activities. It can yeah. freak people out and make them run a mile. But actually, that's what you want. Like that's that's part of the whole reason that sales can be a, an amazing tool for you um, over you know marketing where you don't hear anything back. Yeah. Um, so you're actually directly finding out from customers who you want to sell to why they don't want your product and um, how how better and what more could a business owner want to help define what offerings they're going to, you know, give to those same business owners in the future. So I think um, don't be scared of rejection. Don't be scared to ask why people are saying no. Um, so don't just get a no and say, okay, bye. Um, definitely ask them the reason why. And, and, you know, it could be a really simple, straightforward reason that you could overcome there and then and win the business. Um, that is such gold and I've honestly never thought about it that way like I know that you know for every no you get you get close to the yes I've been thinking you know I've thought about that from a sales point of view for donkey's years now but the the angle you've just taken is awesome in the fact that with say email marketing or Facebook marketing or Instagram or wherever you don't get any feedback or you might get people's comments someone might reply to your email and say no actually I don't want that thing because x y and z but in 12 years of business I don't think I've ever actually had an email response like that so you don't know why people aren't buying you don't know why there's not the engagement that you want or the responses that you want whereas with a phone call or an you know in-person sales meeting you can actually get that feedback and understand and that's super valuable right yeah definitely so off the back of that I kind of think anything you're doing over email if you can do it on the phone do it on the phone oh everyone's just gone oh my god did she really just say that we've got to do it but yeah like that's great and I think on that right that 
my my business is very much online um, from a marketing point of view. But what I have started trying to do a lot more recently is pick up the phone or there's a few different kind of other ways that I communicate with clients that is spoken. Like I've got a few different apps and I can send them videos and voice messages and stuff. Um, But rather than just it being, you know, an email or a Facebook message, for example, and yeah. I love that you just brought that up. You know, I'm trying to think of ways that are different to what everybody else is doing and not just responding with a, a voicemail, sorry, not just responding with an email or a Facebook message, actually yeah. being a bit more creative. And like you say, trying to get to that actual conversation with a real person and understand what's going on for them. It's, it's very valuable in business. Yeah, I think particularly in that, you know, when lead stage when they're not a client yet. Mm. Um, yeah, act, yeah. sorry, I'm saying clients, but I'm talking about lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now, for our listeners, if you are listening to this and thinking that it's time you got your sales head switched on and you're like loving these golden nuggets from Jenny because you know that, you know, you need a mindset shift and a nice dose of sales upskilling because you also know that that would help you make more money in your business. And the good news is that Jenny is this month's Shine Masterclass expert. And she's going to take us through a masterclass on the five simple ways to make more sales, get this bit, that aren't scary. That is the clincher, right? So if you're if making sales calls scares you, or if you like more sales, but you hate the S word, or if you'd like to hone your sales ability to really improve your profitability, then this masterclass is for you. So during this masterclass with Jenny, you're going to discover how to position your offering to your ideal clients, how to find your perfect customers, learn how to tell your potential clients that you're amazing without feeling uncomfortable doing that. Because I know many of you hate tooting your own horn, but you need to be able to do that well. You're going to discover how to effectively handle some of the most common sales objections and get past that no. And then everyday must-do activities that can help you build your customer base. So if you'd like to join us for that masterclass or listen to the recording, just head over to the show notes, click on the link to Shine, sign up, and we look forward to welcoming you into the Busy Business Women Shine Tribe. And I can't wait for that masterclass, Jenny. Thank you so much for me, you know, letting me strong arm you into doing this because sales is something that so many people shy away from. And I know that the, being the sales gun that you are, we're going to learn a lot from you in that. So I can't wait. My pen is poised to take lots of notes. Thank you for doing it. No worries. At all. <laughs> all right. Now I've taken up so much of your time. We could just keep squeezing the juice out of you. But to wrap up, what I'd love to know, is there a quote or a mantra, something like that that's really inspired you over the years that you'd like to share with us and maybe what the impact it's had on you? I think very, very simply what I've kind of lived my work life by is that you make your own luck. Um, so um, yeah. people sometimes are just lucky, but the more you're out there, the more you're networking, the more you're talking about what you're doing, the more people you meet, the more, you know, all of those things, you're just going to give yourself so many more avenues to explore and, you know, relationships to work with um, and, you know, more sales to be made. So I think that's probably... And what I've lived my my work life by, and probably my personal life as well. Um, modeled it from from my dad, who set up a successful training business, just from you know my old bedroom when we were kids, and I just sort of watched him succeed doing that and making his own luck. Um, so I think that's probably what I've 
what I yeah my little quote of the day. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's funny because this week I hit twelve years in business, and a lady commented on a Facebook post earlier the week in the week and said, "You're so lucky," and then went on to congratulate me. And I actually, I thought, no, I've got to reply there. I said, actually, you know, I'm not lucky. I've worked really hard to do this, and I think what you're saying is, you know, whilst you're using the word lucky you create those opportunities yourself. And when you focus on what it is you want to achieve, when you work hard to do it, that's when in inverted commas, the luck happens, right? It's not just that people are sitting around and luck's being dropped on them like gold coins. It's actually the hard work and the effort that you put in that actually gets you to that lucky stage later on. So I love that. And it's great to hear that you had an entrepreneurial parent as well, same as me. Yeah. I've seen many scenes that you've probably seen over the years and it's, um, I think it's in our blood, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think you know it's possible. If yes. It's for someone that you've seen grown it. up with, yeah. Definitely. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing so many nice golden nuggets on a topic that so many listeners I know would be fearful of or just, you know, procrastinating over. So I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, If you would like to get in contact with Jenny listeners and follow the fabulous work that she's doing, all of her details are conveniently in one beautiful place for you in the show notes. So just go over to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 41. And you can also find Jenny at truepotentialsales.com and on Facebook under True Potential Sales. Jenny, thank you heaps for being here. Is there anything, any parting words that you want to leave us with before I let you go? Oh, just thank you very much for having me. And I'm really looking forward to the masterclass and hope I can help some of you out. Oh, I have no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. This is a topic we've not covered in the last kind of nearly two years of running Shine. Um, It's something that's much needed. And I'm really keen to get rid of some of that fear that people have about sales. And you are such a, you know, chilled, calm, absolute professional. And I fully believe what you say and, you know, buy into it completely that, we need to embrace sales if we're going to be a business owner. So I'm stoked to have you coming on to shine. Really, really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Listeners, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love you to leave us a review on iTunes, pretty please. And if you'd like to hang out some more, I'd love to see you over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women and you can find lots more biz building goodness over on my website at busybusinesswomen.biz. But until the next time, thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. I'll be back next week with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until then, I'm Faye Hollands. You've been listening to Jenny White from True Potential Sales on the Busy Business Women podcast.